0: These kids
1: should be able to have a parent that can... They can... Both their parents are in their graduation photos and maybe one day wedding photos. Yeah, I could never imagine my parents being at such odds that they couldn't put their love for me at the center, that they couldn't say, all right, let's just put this crap behind us. So child-centered divorces work because that means these children are going to know that I am the most important thing to my parents. My parents were able to heal and do what they needed to do for me. And so now they're taking that in and saying... I'm gonna be able to do that. I see what healing looks like. Yeah. I see mama living well. I see daddy living well. I yep. see them both happy. That's the thing that we're passing it down. We say we pass down generational trauma. What about generational healing?
2: Love is a treasure chest, but once opened, our hearts become vulnerable.
1: I, I went back to Vegas. It was this guy. He appeared as a friend. Sure enough, it led to infidelity.
2: Alignment can't be ignored. We talked about certain topics as far as having kids. She didn't want to have kids. Um, and that was one of the red flags. And I know you desire marriage. So I think it's best you move on with your life. What you know. do? Hold on, Lisa, what you do? I told him, okay. <laughs> she didn't ask me why. <laughs>
1: I knew several other women's bodies better than I knew my own. I watched their videos of them having sex, so I would try to imitate that.
2: No discussion is off limits. Dear Future Wifey podcast brings healing.
0: You inspire us to try God a little bit more.
2: Through this platform, I realized that it's possible possible to live again.
0: The conversations have really helped me to change my
2: perspective on relationships. Season 7 is all about tough topics. I'm LaTaris R. Winfield, and welcome to the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. I'm your host, LaTaris R. Winfield. Listen, are you still shacking up with us? If you're still shacking up with us, can we get a commitment? Hit that subscription button and subscribe. Make sure you turn on your notification bell so you'll be notified about upcoming episodes we have two more episodes left in Tough Topics. This is the second to the last one. Um, thank y'all for opening up your mind to be able to handle some of the subject matter that we brought to you through season seven. We're gonna be launching season eight um the week before Christmas. So it's gonna be absolutely amazing. Listen, today's episode, you know I got a good buddy of mine on the podcast. Um, you know what, I'm not even going to give her a long introduction. Before, uh, we're just going to just jump right on in there. So without further ado, welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast, my homie, Najah Hall.
1: Hey, let's hear it. What's going on? Like, listen, are you going to behave yourself today? So I'm nervous. What? Najah, how are you nervous? I know, like me and you are friends in real life. But you are nervous. But I life. am nervous because the thing about you, I watch, obviously I've been watching everything that you've done. The thing about you is there's a lot of other interviewers yeah. that don't allow us to talk. And that's a comfortable place. But you just let us talk. And I was like, Lord, please don't let me get on here and get to rambling and say anything. So I'm nervous.
2: Well, listen, we're going to have fun because we're going to talk about something that you're an expert in, uh, an expert from a personal situation. And you have a whole platform that helps people navigate this space. Yeah. What is that space?
1: It's this space of blended families, but blended families that are experiencing conflict.
2: Mm. Yes. What made you dial in on that specific thing?
1: Real life. <laughs> you know, we friends. <laughs> but for those of you that don't know, I have not been um, hiding the fact, yeah. lying about the fact of my blended family situation. I fell in love with a dad, a divorced dad of three. And along with that did not come this beautiful story that I thought it would. It came, came, conflict, drama, real life uh, exposing of other human beings' shortcomings. I've explored mental illness. I've dealt with anxiety on my own just because of the conflict in our own family. So so much as, oh, absolutely. I'm going to tell you all about that.
2: Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Um, And for the record, I invited your husband on the podcast, but this is not his his wheelhouse. This is not like, his wheelhouse. He don't, yeah. he don't like all this public
1: stuff, right? <laughs> and so He trusts me to be the mouthpiece. I right. still respect our marriage and our family and my stepchildren um, and still represent him yeah. and myself. Because <laughs> I got a lot to say.
2: And y'all been married how long?
1: Six years. Six years. We just made six years. Six
2: years. Known him for
1: knocking on 10 and been married for six.
2: And you live Where? New York City. Live in New York. Uh, did Harlem,
1: you... New York City, actually.
2: Oh, you got to be specific when Very you say Very much huh? so.
1: Harlem, USA. That's what People know Harlem. Yeah. I've been yeah. there for, can you believe, 17 years now? When I left Dallas, went straight to New York.
2: Because he lived there, right?
1: Um, we met in New York. But he is uh, from Arkansas. Hold on. Make that make yeah, sense. Yeah, it's crazy, right? He's born and raised in Arkansas. I'm born and raised in Memphis. Um, when we were both living in Dallas, I never knew him. I was living in New York City. He got deployed because of Hurricane Sandy, and boom! I say the storm brought him in.
2: The, he the, came st- in through the storm. <laughs> he got
1: deployed to Queens, New York, because of Hurricane Sandy. How y'all meet? On a dating app. Oh, I tell really? people I ordered him off the internet.
2: <laughs> you ordered him? <laughs> you got, I you, got him. you got a uh, you know on a dating order in that, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know on a dating app. I mean, I don't know how they work now, but you just put in your criteria: height, location, whatever. Put that in, and there he was. How many people you have to swipe through to get to him? So it wasn't a swipe. This was Plenty of Fish. Okay. And there's a lot of my homegirls that are married from Plenty of Fish still to this day. Like, they were back, I think, 2013, 2014, when we were all on there. I don't know how to, the landscape is now. But what I did, my secret was I wrote, like, a long eight-page paragraph thing about myself, my family, my background. This is what I like. This is what I do. So the people that were like, hey, babe, delete your blocks. Well, Because you can't read. I re- I re- I wrote that stuff as a way to kind of just weed it out to see
2: if people actually was more exactly. looking into wh- who you were instead of what you look like
1: the fancy pictures that I put up there cuz I did put some very nice all but one thing that my husband did, though, he was like, oh, wow, that's cool. You're the firstborn. I'm the firstborn. You were an athlete in college. So was I. Twins running your family? Me, too. My parents are still married. Yours are, too. Like, I was like, oh, OK. Oh, so, so we he, have he, a he lot read. of time. He, done read, he everything. read And even if he didn't, if he skimmed it, he did it the right way because he got me. <laughs> I responded. And
2: so on, on POF, what they do is that, what, they just slide, what, it's a DM or how's it work?
1: Oh, my God. Now, this was 10, almost yeah. 10 years ago. But I think you just DM. I'm pretty sure you just DM. Because I don't it? remember the swiping. After I got off the dating apps, because after I met him, that was it. I was off within four or five months. I was like, oh. I said, let me still see what's out there. And I was like, oh, no. This is it. I'm done. I'm done. So I don't remember the swiping. But all of my friends do swipe now.
2: So what about him made you give him uh, oh, your attention? Yeah.
1: The, first thing, the first thing that I recognized about him, number one, he was a Christian. That was very important to me. He was an extremely hard worker. I didn't know how much of a hard worker he was at that time, but um, I, the thing that sold me on him, meaning, okay, we're dating, mm-hmm. you know, we're seeing, maybe seeing other people, maybe not. You know how the yeah. cream rises to the top. Yeah. So there was this incident. I going to say,
2: maybe seeing other people, maybe not.
1: Maybe, Either maybe you were, not. you wasn't. Yeah. I could see. Can you see? Like, <laughs> you can see, I ain't blind. <laughs> 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 so here, I'm going to be straight up with y'all. Um, I am a, a fibroid patient, right? And so I was at the beginning of my diagnosis. I didn't know what was wrong with me. And a lot of you that have dealt with fibroids, you know, it, you have the heavy bleeding, you have anemia. I had blacked out at the gym. That's when I discovered that I was anemic. Blacked out at the gym, had to go to the hospital. And he was the person, like the main person I was seeing at the time. Uh, the only person. <laughs> <laughs> You ain't got to edit that. out. You can leave it. He know. You know, I'm a player, baby. Don't you forget it? <laughs> so he was the person that I was seeing. And um, he came up to that hospital and sat every single day. Really? And so that's when they started saying, okay, let's... Re- they didn't know what was wrong with me. Then we figured out, all right, so this woman has fibroids. She needs blood transfusions. I was so weak at the point. I was like, can you... I need you to talk to my parents. Like, I need you to Him. talk to them. Him!
2: Was that his first introduction to your parents yes. while you are in the hospital? Yeah, what Hey, so uh, my name is Tony, hey, is your daughter,
1: uh, we got a problem.
2: We met on the dating site, and uh, she told a, me to come to the, the hospital. This, we were a
1: few months in at this point. But here's the thing, though. I remember I was in pain, just in extreme pain at one point. And so they gave me, well, it could have been a morphine drip to knock me out. I remember there was a, some some TV show on, and I, you can squeeze your own morphine. I squeezed it, knocked out. He was down praying. He was on his knees praying for me, just over my womb, just over my head. He health. was what? He was down on his knees praying, and I just remember passing out. When I woke up, the TV show was off, and I still just looking at this man. At this point, he's sweating and he's appealing to God on my behalf. Come on, Naja. And I said, Naja. And I said, Naja, God I have to put you on your bed of affliction to see that this is the man He set <laughs> for you. So, Lataris, that's what it was. I was like, oh yeah. I I never had that beside my dad. Shout out to
2: your brother. See, he in the the other rooms. I got to give him a shout out. Shout out to you, King. You hear me, don't you? Good Lord Jesus.
1: Yeah. So that's what it was. That's when I said, okay, this one is different and this is something special because I had not had a man cry out to God on my behalf like that. I'm talking about that boy was sweating. I said, okay. And after that, I was like, this is it. You is me and you. And it has been ever since.
2: How long did it take for y'all to get married after that point?
1: Um, we got engaged. Oh, here's another thing. So after that whole, I got better, got healed, had the surgery. I'm all good. Um, about six months after that, we were at his place. He was working at his desk. I think I was watching TV. And he turned around. He was like, he's a Virgo, extremely meticulous and methodical. He was like, okay, so I'm going to marry you. Okay. And he just turned around and started back working, And I was like, <laughs> who are you having a conversation with? Who are you talking to? <laughs> So within a year after that, we were engaged. And just,
2: so what did you say to him after he said that? I
1: didn't say anything.
2: You just let him just have that, that yeah, little moment. I said,
1: okay, so he's talking to himself. He he needed to compute whatever it is in his head. <laughs> I could tell he was doing some sort of calculation. And now that I know him so well, that's what he does. Have you ever asked him what, what what was he thinking in that moment? We both said it in our wedding vows. I was like, you remember that day we were at your place in Queens and you turned around and said you were going to marry me? And I mean, I already knew that he I didn't wanted say to He it to
2: you. He just said it in your presence.
1: He turned around and looked at me and he was just like, okay, I'm gonna marry you. Okay. And he just literally turned back (laughs) around and started working. (laughs) Like, okay, now you are part of my equation. I'm going to do my life with you. So let's figure out how to make this come together and make it fit. And that's what we did. So we spent about six, seven months doing that. Um, You know, got the pre pre marital counseling, looked for blended family counseling. That's when the conflict started coming up. How long was
2: he divorced after that point?
1: um we he got divorced 2013 we were married three years later and Mm
2: -hmm. so had you met his kids during that dating phase i
1: had i'd met them that very first introduction and well let me say this before i met them physically i already knew them because this man is so much like my daddy they both got married very young um both have an oldest daughter me my stepdaughter is the oldest she's 18 now uh both have a younger set of twins my parents have a younger set of twins, Dang. both southern boys, and even just the mannerisms. You know, they say women yeah attracted to they. Dead. Thank God I have a good father. Good, and my husband and my dad are literally best friends right good. now. Good, I they love are that. Best friends. Um, so just through him and just seeing how doting he was, I feel like I already knew him. Like you know, I was like, I was like, it brought up so much of my childhood stuff, mm. um, some of the good stuff and the bad stuff that mm. we'll talk about. Just seeing how he was with his dad, like my, I'm, I am my dad's favorite child. No shade to my sisters, but y'all know I'm his favorite. Y'all, y'all know, I'm the, I'm the first born. You, know? you know, I used
2: to mentor one of her sisters, yes. Nadia. Yeah, so she just, she just all the shade she just threw on I you, sh- Nadia. I apologize,
1: Nadia and Natalia, both of them. They know, <laughs> they this is they know. So just seeing how he was with his first born, I was like. That's exactly how my dad is and was with me. So it was kind of like a glimpse into reliving certain pieces of my girlhood that I fondly remember. So that made me fall for him immensely. Like, that made me fall for him. He came from, comes from a very good family, too. You know, for what else we're lacking in other areas of our family and the missing pieces, his parents, like, I talked to his mom, my mother-in-law. I call her my other mother. More than I do my own mother. Yeah, so, you know, he had all of that stuff going for him.
2: My other mother. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Call her O-M, other mother.
2: And so a year later, y'all get engaged, mm-hmm. and then y'all get married. How long after that?
1: Um, Our engagement was only six months. Okay. Yeah, we did it quick. Yeah. The venue was available, and we wanted to get married on his parents' uh, anniversary. Mm. Yeah. So they just celebrated 42 this past summer. So we came wow. here to Texas to celebrate with them. Yeah.
2: 42 years. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the last time you was here, right? Yeah, well, not last time I was so, here. Yeah, y'all this, celebrating that.
1: This past summer. And my parents just celebrated 48. 48? Yeah, so we both come from like this very strong, thick, black marriage situation. I love that. Yeah.
2: And it's so uncommon. We don't hear a lot about that. That's why yeah. I said just the fact that y'all were able to meet each other. Both from Dallas, but y'all met in New York. That's mm-hmm. just... Well, I'm
1: from Memphis now. Don't get me well, twisted. Well,
2: we know. We, you know, you, know, you want to represent Memphis. Uh, yeah, you...
1: Anytime. Every time. But...
2: <laughs> but y'all both living in Dallas. Mm. Well, y'all both, you know, had residence in Not Dallas. Not even far them.
1: from one another. You know, when we got to talking, I was like, where'd you live? He was like, oh, I was north. I was like, Me too. And he would come um, as a a kid over the University of Memphis because they were from Arkansas, which is right over the bridge, to do basketball games. But we just never met. We never met until we were both in New York City, isolated, just up there with just us to try to figure it out together.
2: So when you met him and you started hearing about him being divorced, uh, having three kids, did you look at that as a red flag?
1: So let me rewind to our first date. I forgot. I forgot. Ah! So he didn't put it on his dating profile that he's a father. Uh uh-uh. uh. Um, And I was the girl who would just be like, I don't, I'm child-free. I was yep. like, I don't... Wanna want to marry
2: somebody or be with somebody who got kids. Mm-hmm.
1: And I had previous bad experiences like that. You know, you hear about the baby mama drama yep. and they still with their baby mama and the kids yep. are the... And I was like, my life is so simple and I've created this life that I've wanted... I don't need somebody else's confusion. Hello, confusion. <laughs> <laughs> so on the first date, right... I, I, On the first day, we're sitting down, we're having dinner. (laughs) We're having dinner. And he was like, yeah, you know, I got three kids. You know, I've been divorced. I was like, I said, well, let me go pull up your paperwork because your profile didn't say this. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm not even going to lie. I immediately in that moment discounted him. I was like, okay, Najah, you're not going to be with this dude. So I started ordering shots. You know, my ladylike thing was long. There was no lead to be, need to be ladylike because I said, oh, we, I ain't, we ain't gonna, we're not going to do this. We're not going to be together. Shots, 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 shot, shot. So I'm ordering shots. We're having a good time. I'm seeing my friends. Like, we dancing. Lil John is on. I'm requesting Project Peta because I'm from Memphis. <laughs> Peep this, though. He's driving me home. He's dropping me off. And he looks over at me. I was like, yo, this dude. I know he like, this is us. Uh street urchin hood rat. I'm he was like you're so authentic. When can I see you again? <laughs> I see you. Um okay. I you know, okay, and it just so happened he just was such a great person. So he
2: said you're so authentic.
1: He said you are so authentic. He was like I just love how you are yourself. And I was like I do do hood rat things with my friends. Like I do do that. So this is me. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. And um needless to say we saw each other again i accepted the next day because i was like all right now you don't discount a person don't discount them because they had a past you have a past so let's just let's just see um in some sort of way like i said earlier the cream rises to the top and the, those things about him probably with the fact that he was a father and that he had been through what he had been through mm-hmm. were the things that made me fall in, immediately in love with him immediately immediately
2: and so... Almost immediately. So almost immediately.
1: <laughs> almost immediately. Yeah. And so
2: so you've been married how many years now? Six years. Six years. Yeah. Um, and your marriage has gone through some obstacles and struggles as it relates to this blended family.
1: Yeah, Letaris. A
2: lot of stuff you can't really, really, really talk about. But what would you touch on when you say the challenges of navigating this blended family space?
1: We got a lot of time, right? Yeah, we, we got time. We got a couple of hours. Yeah, we
2: got, yeah, let's talk. Cool.
1: The thing, the reason that I started the work that I do, I already had my education and, uh, you know, counseling, and I already had all my certifications. I never knew I would use them in this manner. <laughs> I never, you could have never paid me to think that I would have a platform or have a voice and advocating for people in these types of situations because this is what I try to avoid. Yeah. It's just dealing with something like this. So what can I talk? I can touch on anything. Like, we can so talk So when you about look
2: it. at it, so what was the, where, when did the first obstacle arise? Like, was it, because uh, y'all were dating was mm-hmm. there any challenges in there like because I would take did he have custody of his kids while y'all were in New York or the kids lived in what city were they in
1: yeah so the kids were he's long distance a long distance parent right so he was he and I were in New York and the kids and their other parent were where they lived, were in Texas. right? And um, the thing that kept me isolated f- from the drama is because of the distance. Yeah, There was so much that I just did not know, I wasn't privy to, and he was able to protect me from it. And it wasn't until I started digging in and saying, and just asking the questions, because I didn't know what to ask. That's why I tell women now, and, and and men, anybody too, you need to ask for paperwork. Let me see your divorce paperwork. Can I see your custody paperwork? Um. When you get to that point in your relationship, how much are you paying for alimony? Is it going to be for the rest of this person's life? Because that affects you and what you and your household can do. Um, Do your children have any known health issues, any mental health issues? Are they allowed to travel? Is your ex high conflict? And how is this going to affect me in my life? That's good. I didn't know to ask any of those questions. So I just fell in love all willy-nilly and got popped in the face with it. (laughs) Let's hear it. Let me tell you. I didn't know what I know now. I, had I known what I know now, obviously would have moved a whole lot different. How? I would not have made myself... I was a punk. How you say you was a punk? I was a punk. I would not have made myself so vulnerable and available to criticism and critiques and lashing out and threats of violence from the other party. I would not have been... And I'm an empathetic person, super empathetic. So how would you have
2: done anything differently?
1: I would have immediately put up a strong boundary and said, okay, so I see that you want conflict. I don't want to fight. I don't react well to threats of violence. If you tell me you're going to take my life, I need to take that seriously. Because right. we were getting things like that happening with yeah. us. Yeah. You know, it's all documented, y'all. It's, it's public record. Um, so, <laughs> you know, so things like that. Like and, and, you know, everybody wants to say their situation is bad. But ours was truly a <clears throat> really, really bad one. And I would not have had I would not have let hope carry on as long as I have. You know about the incident that happened. Mm-hmm. Now it's two Thanksgivings ago. You know about this. Yeah. And um, you know, we've had some court
2: because you called me one day asking me advice about, you know, um
1: withholding visitation. Right. Yes. And yeah. you gave me some good pointers, yeah. pointers to do with that. And so parental alienation is one of the things that's very real. Yep. You know, and for those of you that yeah. don't know. What alienation is, is basically when one parent is uh, makes an attempt to cut the affections, love, the relationship with that other parent. And alienation can happen through their spouse, through that other side of the family. Basically, they're making the other parent seem like a bad thing. So this child now only has them to rely on, yep. which is a very dangerous thing, not yep. only for the entire family, but for the child's mental health. Yep. You know, we're seeing it now every day with You know, look at all these broken homes that don't have to be broken. That's facts. And I'm not saying broken because they're divorced, because I don't believe you're a broken person because you're divorced or your parents aren't in the same house. But our parents are breaking us.
2: And that's the reason why this episode is so important as we talk about tough topics is because I really have a heart and a passion for African-American families to do family better. And I mean, like, literally, like, we can't, we... You know, mom and dad didn't get along. They may have been born. The child may have been born out of wedlock. Um, there never was any type of commitment. Could have been a a, a one night stand. Could have been all kinds of things. Yeah. But how you des- how the two of you decide to co-parent is pivotal to the upbringing of that child. And so the reality is, is that we can uh, help our kids avoid unnecessary trauma mm-hmm. by just us being adults. And we throw that a lot around a lot. Like, can y'all just act like adults? And the reason why we say that is because as adults, we need to be able to process information and say, mm-hmm. all right, listen, I'm going to put my child. One thing that I noticed on the, the child support papers when, when I was on child support, it says in the best interest of Fill in the blank, yeah. sad child. And it's always they look at it as what's in the best interest of this child. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with me as a father being mm-hmm. upset and don't like X, Y, Z and mad about this. The mom upset, mad, because our relationship did out. She's using my money
1: to get her nails yeah, done. getting done. She <laughs> get her nails done a little $60. She can't do nothing with that. Y'all y'all got to stop that, too.
2: Did you say $60? <laughs> the child's <laughs> <That's> boy $60. <laughs> child's no, we're talking, about, we're talking about child's boy $60. <laughs> that is true. And I'll be honest with you. It was those moments where you look at it, where you go, as a father, you go, well, because I felt like, and there's no there's no way of making it quote unquote fair, so to speak. But I remember when I was 18 years old and I went and put myself on child support, Mm. I said that, um, I said that I wish there was a way that X amount of percentage could go towards a child's savings or whatever. Yeah. You know, just take a percentage. Let's say if you take 20% of the child support and it goes into some type of trust or or whatever for that kid that mom can't touch, and then the rest mom can use to get to pay for the bills or whatever else. Mm-hmm. But what mm-hmm. I used to do is I paid not only child support but also paid for the private savings. school, and then I paid for this mm-hmm. and I put my daughter. I just did that all on my own. Uh, but the reality is, yeah, it does it, that. That stuff does begin to weigh into it where mom is it getting the money. With, money. It,
1: it comes with a lot of feelings, and I, as much as I am a father's rights advocate, I also love women i am a proponent and i'm a supporter a major supporter of women especially single mothers 100 percent um because you know a man is paying about 20 to 35 percent of his income into another household so it's not going into his household this woman is dedicating 95 percent of her time to the child that this seed that you both have grown together So it's like, you know, there's a lot of women would say, baby, let's do 50-50. You yep. take them. Yep. And I have a lot of girlfriends now that are doing very well that. with 50-50. Yep. I feel like that should be like an automatic law, honestly. 50-50. 50-50. I really feel like it should.
2: And I wondered about that, too, because it's like there's just so many things with that, with the order and all that type of stuff yeah. that you go, it creates the brokenness. And, and And in my situation, the mother my child, we got to a place to where she was like, get your daughter whenever you want to. Yeah. So my daughter used to be around me all the time. We just, the visitation stuff just kind of went out the window. But the orders window. are
1: like the family Bible, right? This is our, sta- this is this our is rules. Standard. These yeah. are the laws. Now, if you guys can get along and make it work for the betterment of your child, then you can deviate from these. But there's so many people that say, let's just follow the orders. Yep. And is that in the best interest of the child?
2: Well, they do that because if said other parent decides to do something, for instance, visitation takes place six o'clock on a Friday, Mm -hmm. drop the child back off Mm -hmm. six o'clock on Sunday. But you will have situations with the father who doesn't call. To pick the child up at six o'clock or may miss the whole time of visitation right. and comes every now and then. Now mom can't even plan her life. She
1: cannot plan.
2: Because it's like, well, th- right. I don't know. And then the and then the dad pops up. Cause I had a whole lot of friends that have gone through this, where the dad now pops up five months later and shows up Give and says, I my want my kids. I was like, What where have whoa, you been? Whoa, whoa. Right. But he can hold those same papers and say, This is what's so crazy. He can hold those same papers and say, between these hours and these hours, I'm this supposed to is have this my child. visitation. And then the police will say, hey, listen, we can't infringe well, Harris, upon the this. The police
1: ain't gonna do nothing.
2: They won't, but they'll sit there and make an event. Number they'll say we'll document this. He did show us paperwork where that child was supposed to be with him at six o'clock. The mother refused. We can't get invo- involved mm-hmm. in family issues, but right. we will document it.
1: And this is why I tell custodial parents in your paperwork when you're in custody court because we know custody court is different from child support court. Right. If that other parent forfeits three consecutive visits, yep. Then you should be able to put something in there to where you're like, hold on, judge, just in case they don't show up, yep. Can we put something in here to say, um? I now can, uh, I get to determine that. 100%. Yeah. Or this per- or the other parent has to give you 48 hours notice if they're going to take their visitation.
2: And in the state of Texas, if that happens seven times, if the, if the mother refuses to give the father custody, that's a felony.
1: Mm. Like, it's an you, interference with child do, custody. I didn't know that until you told me When that. I told
2: you that, because my homegirl got held against one of those. He, she had this the, uh, the father of her child was one of those dudes that he was absent for a long time. Yeah. Had a whole situation where um uh he tried to hurt her really bad and he had a restraint. She had a restraining order. That restraining order don't protect him from not seeing the oh. kids. And so so he was away for a little bit. He got upset, he was away for about two years, then decided to pop up, came to the church and went to the uh the children's church, held the papers up. And, and said it's customers. my
1: custodial time. I, I need to get and my the church should have called the police or called the authorities. The to call police mother. came
2: because the police was already at the church, but the police said, "Hey, he has paperwork. We Can't event. do nothing." Yep, and they said they can't they can't go grab the kid and pull him away Mm-mm. from him. And so he got the daughter walked on out. She was hollering and doing all this type of stuff. Couldn't she do nothing know
1: about him. That's stranger danger.
2: Couldn't do nothing about it. And the mother yeah. was sitting there like, "I can't believe y'all doing this." Couldn't do yeah. nothing about it. And so she started saying it was a very toxic environment for him to be there. Uh, for her to see the father and the father would always like just be really toxic. Mm-hmm. Long story short, she said, I'm going to protect my child from yeah. this toxicity from her dad. Stop allowing him to see the kid. Mm-hmm. And while they was going back to court and doing all the type of stuff, seven occurrences. Felony felony interference with mm. child custody interference. she was minding her own business one day she came up to get the visitation because they had the exchange start taking place at the police station and, uh, and they had this other one little place called um, family like life the Services changes. centers and the, the father goes through one door he gets there 15 minutes so you early don't you don't get to see each other she comes through the, another door they get the kid bring them halfway to another could room you, she comes you get the kid that trauma
1: going through that the trauma. your parents can't even be in the same space the trauma and then she gets
2: the kid leave and then he has to wait 15 minutes later and then he leaves well after you know and you have to pay it was like 15 Mm dollars or something each time each one of them pay 15 dollars pick up and drop off and after that had started happening he was like i don't want to deal with this no more then it started falling through and then he started acting crazy again and then she started saying well i'm not gonna let him see his kid and then seven that happened seven times she came one day to go uh do an exchange Picked her police, up. Please said, hey, come on. Ma'am, here.
1: come on. We got a warrant. We got a warrant for like, Never.'
2: This woman has never even had a speeding ticket. And then she ended and up going to jail have for a that.
1: Felony on your record. A felony
2: on her record. She had to go fight and get off.
1: And the thing that she could have done before that, and you know, who wants to go to court? Like, court is, first of all, I, I, the judges. They do you really think they care about your kid more than you do? Not, not at all. They don't care about your child more than mom and dad. Do. Right. They're just handing down orders. They're yep. trying to go get to their next case on their docket. So they're like, okay, cool, yeah, let dad get custody time. They're not trying to hear the dad was abusive to this mother that she had a restraining order. Maybe she didn't have a good lawyer to advocate for her. Yep. So now in this case, all right, boom, let's just let you guys go handle it. I've seen judges throw clients out there that have been in their courtroom five, six, seven times that they know can't get along and say, y'all go in the hallway and talk it out. <laughs> we here because we can't talk.
2: You tell yourself, <laughs> go out there and go talk it
1: out. Go talk it out. The people out there fighting, rolling on the floor now because you want them to take... What? I've seen that literally. And so the judges, as much as we would like to believe, they're human beings. They carry bias just like anybody out there yeah. in the street. Our attorneys, the ones that we're paying these $5,000 returne- uh, retainers every pop... Yep. They're fighting in court. Maybe, maybe not. But they're probably friends and going out for beers after
2: With the judge. So you yep. have
1: to remember that these people do not care about your child more than you do. They absolutely do not.
2: And so as you were navigating this space, how did you maintain a sense of sanity and not allow... Or did you get outside yourself and start mm. acting crazy?
1: I've never been a crazy type. I've always been... Um, You know, maybe not crazy enough in some cases. My (laughs) sisters, you know, I would call and tell them some of the things that were happening. Like, oh my gosh, like, hey guys, I'm getting stalked. I'm getting harassed. I'm getting, I didn't do anything like, and they knew I didn't do anything to deserve this. I fell in love and, you know, just so happened the person I fell in love with had some situations that were not tamed yet. And so I didn't get crazy, but I will say this after this event that is public record, and Laterra <laughs> knows about the event. Um,
2: People say, like, "Let me go look what court was this in." Yeah, I just go
1: say that there was an act of family violence that happened with us, yep. and it was life threatening. Um, we were not the guilty party. I wasn't there. I had to hear about it, and it was one of my worst fears. One of the worst fears of a wife is when she knows her partner is going to drop his children off and the situation is high conflict, meaning, you know, oh, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Or there's like a, a boyfriend there or whatever. Yeah. It's always such a scary thing. So I'd always keep him on the phone. Hey, you going to drop the kids off? Let's just stay on the phone. This one particular time I did not. And something happened at the drop-off. And because of that incident, it was like literally one of my worst nightmares. I almost, almost thank God it did not, coming into fruition. Yeah, And so we said, okay, so now things have to change. And I had been telling my husband, I said, hey, you need to take this stuff seriously because men, y'all took to yeah, think women we like, just... Yeah, we
2: like, man, she ain't going to do nothing.
1: Right, she ain't going to do nothing. And then me, I said, hey, listen, you have a whole nother household over here. We have to protect us. Let's get some things in order. That's when he was like, okay, so this is way, way, way more serious than I ever could have fathomed. He knew it, but I just, maybe he he had hope. I don't know what he had. I don't know what it is that he had. He had hope. Maybe it was just the unwillingness to... Get your kid's mom in trouble. Yeah. You know, the kids are going to pay for it. The kids yep. are going to get backlash from it. All of that stuff started happening. One of the things that's hap- happened with me as I had developed anxiety. I was talking to my beautiful homegirl, Dr. Glenna, um, psychotherapist, and I was like, Glenna, I keep seeing the incident over and over. If this person would have succeeded in doing what they attempted to do, he would not be here today. And I said, like, I, I lay there and I see it every night. She said, friend, you got to get some help. Yeah. She was like, you don't. She said, it's OK that you're telling me this. She said, but you're not OK. You have to go get some help. And then she shared with me, you know, she was like, hey, when I went through my divorce, you know, you know, I- I'd send people, even her clients. was like, people are going through situational um, traumatic times. That doesn't mean I have full blown anxiety, but I went for a couple of appointments and the therapist was like, ma'am, you have situational anxiety. And I could not stop thinking about it. And I'm not even going to lie. I got on, and I'm not ashamed of this at all. I got on anxiety medication and I stayed on it for about five or six months. And it helped take the edge off. It helped me to say, okay, Najah, but your husband is still here. Yeah. You will have your day in court. You yeah. will be avenged. You will finally get some paperwork that can protect everybody in this family, yeah. even people that need to be protected from themselves. Um, so it's a super dark time. And now it's actually, today it's two years. Two years. It's the second year anniversary. Mm, mm, yeah mm. yeah so that changed my perspective and um the amount of empathy that i was still willing to show in our situation like oh i will still have a sit down just me being gullible and thinking like it's not that serious come on come on yeah that situation showed me like naja you need to warm it up and when a person exerts violence and they say it and then they attempt to do it um this take is where yeah now you need to take it seriously and so things completely changed for me
2: um, and how did you how did you navigate through that space? What what changes did you make?
1: I wasn't a person that set boundaries. I grew up in a household with. I'm gonna say this. I feel like for a lot of us little girls, even if a lot of us don't want to admit it now, our mothers were our very first bullies, hmm. and um, that situation reminded me so much of the dynamic that I had early on with um, with my mom. My mom and I are super close now. I consider her a friend, but she is a different person like the one that raised me and the twins she's a different person now i never saw my mom cry when i was growing up i never i saw her have to be hard i saw her have to be rough and it was my dad i mean you know you got a rough dude my dad's south memphis cat a lot of y'all know what that south dallas 78 south, similar anything south huh? yeah anything in the south you know <laughs> the other side of the mlk boulevard y'all know what's <laughs> up
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, what would you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you take up a new hobby, catch up on some sleep, complete reading the book you've never had time to finish, but always promised that you would? Did you know the best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is by knowing what's important to you and making it a priority? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I could not have become the person I am today without therapy, to be honest with you. My vulnerability and transparency were cultivated in therapy, and it served as a foundation in which the beloved Dear Future Wifey podcast was built. Now, as you know, relationships of all kinds are important to me. Therapy helps with learning positive coping skills, managing expectations of myself and others, and most importantly, establishing healthy boundaries. Ooh, boy, life is stressful, ain't it? Now, therapy is the safe space to recalibrate and recenter. Now, can I be transparent with you? Since the inception of this podcast, I've always wanted to do this right here for better help. Why? Because so many of you reach out to me seeking referrals for therapy services after each episode. My heart has been overwhelmed by the outpouring of you desiring help to show up better in life. And guess what? I believe the world is a better place with better help. It's entirely online, too, designed to fit your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Wifey today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, Wifey. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
0: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: As a woman now, you know, as a grown-up now, I can empathize. Well, my mother had to be the way she did, but she didn't have time to play and be soft with us. For a lot of us, our moms were the first one to berate us or physically hit us, hit us, or impose her will. You know, I didn't have a gentle parent. I didn't have neither one of my parents were gentle parents. And so I will say this that situation immediately snatched me back into being that little nausea with this abrasive mom who did not nurture her because different kids have different needs. I just happened to have been a kid that needed a lot of hugs. Yeah. I needed that. I didn't yeah. I didn't really have that. But Growing up, I've learned, I was like, yo, you really needed that. So this particular situation caused me so much angst and caused me to go back into little submissive nausea because I was like, this is two similar types of women, which was hard for me to admit. And it was scary for me to admit to myself. And so because of that, I said, let me show this woman a a lot of empathy. Let me show her some empathy because I've seen it before. I know women that hurt and they're bold and abrasive that one day kindness can come through. It happened with my mom. But I really had to realize that that was not going to be the case. uh, Not no time soon. And I was not going to be the person that was going to initiate that. And also when I just noticed that this person, um, they didn't want that with the person they got kids with. So who am I? I'm chopped liver. Like, girl, bye. Like, Najla, who are you? You're nobody in this situation. Like, if anything, I'm an agitator. So I said, let me just step all the way away.
2: Wow. And so as you were... So you, you said you stepped all the way. You stepped out of the way then. So
1: And I wasn't really in the way in the first yeah, place.
2: But you just... You wasn't trying to be the mediator no more, basically.
1: I learned very early on that... In our situation, I can't say for everybody, um, me and my husband, we wanted peace. I saw him so many times. Like, look, can we just, like, talk? Can we all just get along? Can we just talk? Can yeah. we be cool? Like, why, why does it have to be this? You say you're happy. I'm happy. The kids are right here seeing all of this stuff.
2: So what do you think was the bigger problem? Like, what's, what what caused so much tension?
1: Without me speaking for somebody else's experience, because that's not fair. I can only say my feelings, and feelings aren't facts. Take that how you want to some people are so committed to chaos because that's all they know how to be. They know how to... I, like, some people are like, I can do chaos. I can do havoc and turmoil and anger and violence. But what does peace look like for me? What is accepting this new woman that is an influence and impactful in my children's life, what does that look like for me as a mom? Mm-hmm. What is... What, now, the narrative that I've shared with people over the past 10 years of why my own marriage... Didn't work. ...ended. or why, yeah. like, If I'm cool with this person... And I humanize her because I've dehumanized my husband's ex. Yeah. She's dehumanized me. It's been both ways for sure. If I humanize this person, what does that do for this narrative that I have based everything on? That's true. So I got to keep this up, especially for my kids. Got to keep it up. So that's a, that's
2: without... That is so unfortunate. Like, and, and, I, and I hear what you're saying without saying it. It's like, it's it's so unfortunate because... It's so much peace that could have been injected in that situation. I think of
1: shit. Like, I'm the type of stepmom where, you know, I got to run to Paris, right? I'm like, hey, let me uh, let me come pick up so-and-so. Let me go get their passports. I'll do that. Let yeah. me come get them. Can they come over here with us? Like, let's do summers together. I mean, we've had situations where we've had to beg to get just the court-ordered summers. Yeah. You know, and it's been so hurtful, definitely hurtful, hurtful to me to see a father that wants to be involved and that wants to be active, and that is not allowed. Yeah. You know, it's just like, listen, if you ain't gonna do fatherhood the way I tell you to do it, it ain't gonna happen. And so he's not, you know, he ain't one of those that's that's gonna, gonna bend to the will, to that type of will, because it's not fair and it doesn't make any sense for anybody. So now we just kind of have, we have to work around it. I will say this though, the best parts thus far of my experience as a stepmother are the kids. Hey, my husband got some cool kids. They t- they have raised, they, both of them, have managed to bring some cool, raise, rear, some amazing, loving, accepting individuals in the world. They really have. So I'll say that's a positive.
2: And the ages are what? 18
1: uh, and 12. 18 and 12.
2: Mm-hmm. You said three of them, right? Mm-hmm. All right. You said, twins. You, set of all twins. All twins, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Dang.
1: just like me and my sister. same yeah. dynamic as me and my sisters. Oldest, same age difference is everything. So I've had really? some. I've had some talks with my stepdaughter. Like you've met my because she's met my sisters. You says the same age difference. Same age difference. I was like, I was your age when my twin sisters were born, and I was like, I was like, I know what it's like for you. But then there's a certain disconnect because I had both of my parents in yeah. the same home, and that's you know, a couple years after her siblings came into the world. It was her that became the repository for her parents' divorce. And again, that's her experience to talk about, not mine. But I can only talk about what I've observed.
2: What advice could you give to um, men and women to help mitigate the challenges or the difficulties of the toxicity that can be infused in blending families?
1: Okay. This is kind of pointless to say, but before you even get yourself in a blended family situation, why don't you do some research on the person's, uh, on the background of the human being that you're with, that you're bringing a child into the world. Now, if you're watching this, probably a little bit too late for that. But (laughs) I wish that a lot of us were taught the skills and the things to look for in human beings with disordered personalities. That's a very real thing. And narcissism is not the only one that's out there. Um, I wish that we were taught to look more into a person's belief system. I wish we would all do therapy together and individually before we say I'm going to make the lifelong decision to have a crotch trophy with you. Because now you look say, at us. A uh, crotch. I know. Trof- I saw that on this TV show, and it made me laugh so much. Because now we got this beautiful <laughs> trophy. Because we bumped uglies, and now what are we going to do with it? Are we going to screw this human being up, Later, I'm trying to be serious right now. You just I'm said crotch
2: serious. trophy. I cannot take my mind away from the fact you said because it makes so much sense. <laughs> It's the trophy that manifested itself.
1: Okay.
2: You said bumping uglies. Uh,
1: so, but you asked me, what can we do to kind of mitigate this some of the grief This said and do a
2: mental health evaluation before you even decide to even give bum, a dude to your bum. phone number, basically.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, let's really be, you know, let's not leave with our loins. Let's do some actual research and ask questions, not only to the other person, but about ourselves. Because a lot of us ain't right anyway. A lot of us are imbalanced also. So we need to really be able to to, to do that. But you asked, what can we do to mitigate trauma? You can, men, let me tell you, because fathers out there, a lot of you think that when your ex or your children's mother is acting, she's acting crazy. I honestly believe that is an ego boost to some guys because mm. let me, uh, let me explain why. Yeah, explain that. Right. About oh, she's acting crazy. Oh, I, I can calm her down. Men tend to believe I can come in and be the fixer. I can calm her down. But it also leads you to believe that you are in control of this woman's emotions. I made her mad. So I did control how she is. y'all don't realize is a lot of these women are not in control of their own emotions. So there's nothing you can do, especially now that you're not in relation with them, to control them. So that's the first thing that you can just go ahead and accept is this person is strictly my co-parent. You're not mixing any things. You're not bumping on ugly. You're not doing the things that you were before because now it's a business relationship. We're in the business of co parenting. But what does that mean? Because a lot of us don't know how to handle our own business and other facets of our life. You set some firm boundaries. You say, this is what we're going to talk about. You don't text late. And you know, I think these are things that are second nature and I think people should know, but I'm going to go ahead and say them in case they don't. You don't send the late night text messages. You don't check up on her and act jealous when she brings some other person around your kids unless you feel like the person is dangerous or you have some sort of paperwork that states that children can't be around um, particular individuals. You lead from a place of love and acceptance. Now, you are going to be kind to her, but you're also going to show her that you're not her do boy. You're not in a relationship with her anymore because now she has to learn to stand on her own two feet as a person that is parenting singly now. And you have to do the same thing. A lot of parents, I see, make the mistakes of not wanting to tell their children the truth about that situation. Yep. Um. But what is it going to do for your kid in the long run? And when you do try to move on.
2: Say truth about what?
1: Um, where they are? We're not together anymore. I'm seeing other people. Like I've seen a lot of parents. I know a couple right now that's sharing a house over in Queens, and they haven't told their kids that they're divorcing. Dad goes away for a week and goes somewhere, and then mom comes back. So the kids get to stay in the house, which is essentially beautiful. But what happens when you want to expand your life? Because it's not going to work forever. Sure, not. It ain't gonna work, and your kids are gonna be filled with resentment. People say kids are so resilient. I don't know if I agree with that completely because why so many screwy adults walking around here, but your children know more than what they're letting on. I was a very nosy kid. I knew all the tea. Yep. All the tea. But those are a couple of things I think you can do to just mitigate it, set very firm boundaries with each other and treat this like this is a business relationship. And you are in the business of raising the next president, the next person that's going to cure cancer, the next mentally well mother or father, the next school board principal. You are in the business of raising a human being that's going to do some good in this world.
2: And so you said that creating boundaries, what do you think is a acceptable boundary as far as getting phone calls like boundaries. from from your you know child's parent?
1: So um we're not hookup. It's not hookup hours. And we know what <laughs> hookup hours are.
2: What is it? People don't know what is people
1: it Yeah, we gotta break it down.
2: People cause people knew they wouldn't be doing
1: it. Okay. If you are texting your child's other parent, oh, I can't find little Timmy's uh T shirt, but you got your little bra on and be like, is this little Timmy's t shirt? Baby, that's crossing a boundary If you are trying to text your baby moms And you have no shirt on And you got the little towel hanging off And be like, hey, I'm about to drop the kids off at 8 o'clock Is that okay? That's crossing a boundary. So you said texting. So you're talking about video calling? Video calling, texting, whatever. So, so that, is, that is a good point. Indi- I forgot
2: there's video calling now. Yeah, so should you, should you be video calling? <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't think that... Like, this is all based on boundaries. Right. Like, if we have a business relationship with a person, are we going to FaceTime all the time? <laughs> or can what we have to say to each other be done in a text or a respect-based and, and phone call? Yeah. It's all about developing a relationship based on respect and boundaries. Facts. And so many people don't know how to define what respect means because it means something different to all of us Yeah, respect the child respect that i want this kid to be centered respect the fact that your co-parent might love that might be the only person in the world that loves that kid the same if not more than you so let's just respect that like this is this is a person that if something happened to you this is a person that will be rearing this this young person so we got to respect that fact. But no, we're not doing late night, 11, 12, 2 a.m. phone calls. We're not making sexy, romantic innuendos. We're not bringing up what you did in a relationship and how awful of a partner you were. Because what's the point of that now? You're not yeah. together anymore. Yeah. Are, are They a, They might be a damn good co-parent. Yeah. They really might be. They might surprise you if you allow them that. I don't believe in uh, letting on about who who you're dating. I don't think that's important in the beginning. You know, a lot of people. Oh, you seeing somebody? Why, little Timmy, little Terrence Jr. Ain't gonna be around. Uh, Mister Joe. Well,
2: they made out. They don't know because you may you uh you may be letting dudes lay up over there while the kid is there, and the and the and.
1: That's a character. Yes, that's a parenting issue, but that's more your character. <laughs>
2: but still, that's
1: a character. If You don't know
2: because um I had a friend who kid began to tell. The, the mother, whatever, hey, so-and-so, uh, I think uh, dad is seeing another woman because, you know, she be over there all the time.
1: And kids are going to talk. They're going to snitch. Kids. And so
2: it's like, why don't – so this is what I always believe. I believe that the minute that you believe that that relate... – well, if that kid is going to be around that kid – I mean, the that kid that around the person, said individual needs to have a conversation with the other parent and 100%. be like, hey, listen. And I do believe – and you tell me what you think about this mm-hmm. – should they meet – should the person say, hey, listen, uh, I want to introduce you to uh, my ex-wife, my ex-girlfriend, the mother of my child yeah. or whatever, since you're going to be over there?
1: Ideally, if it's a good situation between the co-parents, mean meaning you've both moved on. You're both in healthy, balanced places. You right. are both healthy, balanced individuals. What do you say if that can't happen? Then, no, you will not sit down with this person because Why? The co-parents, I said, y'all bought ugly. y'all can't even sit down at the table over what the cake, cake, uh, flavor gonna be. No, I'm not going to sit down with your ex so she can interview me and scrutinize me and tell me how bad you were and so how what you awful think, of
2: do, no. you think, do you think it's a problem? What if they? What if the co-parents are cool with each other, mm-hmm. but the guy don't want to introduce you to his 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 new wife?
1: If the co-parents are cool and he's he, went off and got married, yeah. all the way married, and says. Hey ex-wife, uh, kids run. mom, I don't want you to meet this person. Yeah, I think that's something uh, different happening with that particular gentleman. <laughs> the ex-wife, I say this, run. You should run because why can't he meet her? Why why can't these two women meet and form their own different type of sisterhood? Yeah, because there's nothing like this feminine feminine energy, a feminine village. Surrounding some babies. There that's is what I always nothing say. Nothing like that. Because if y'all
2: can all get along, that's what I'm saying. Healthy. Ooh. I, I, I want to promote healthy. Yeah. It's like, but then the man may be like, I ain't finna introduce because he may have said some stuff about his ex girlfriend, ex wife, whatever, and he done said all this stuff negative. That if she got a chance to meet you, then she going, she may find out that everything he said was a lie. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what
1: well, she? Ain't lying. Which happens a lot yep. on both sides yep. you are nothing like so-and-so sad you are <laughs> you're not evil you don't have a green head and a slithery tongue and like you're actually a kind person <laughs> i am but i will say this most people in the beginning are going to tell you oh my ex is crazy yeah men are going to tell you the ex yep. is crazy woman's going to tell you her ex is a narcissist like that's just what that's what we're going to do so it's up to you to as a new person coming into to, into the scenario to kind of listen and see what's being said without being said and do way more listening than you do talking because you're the new guy in the scenario. You're the one that can pack your bags and leave the soonest. Those, those people are stuck with each other in some form or facet, fashion. But you're the one that can go. But no, I think meeting is healthy.
2: That's why I believe. That's why I'm saying it should be. If you're going to be around my kid, I should I should be able to meet you.
1: But think about what, what does meeting look like to you?
2: Just literally be, uh making acquaintance. The same thing, you done met my kid, I should be able to meet you. So it's as simple as, hey, how you doing, man? Um, I remember I did this to somebody before. Um, one of my friends that, one of my friends who I slept with in the past introduced me to her new guy. But what I said was this. Because we was cool. I mean, it's like it's in the just past. just a homegirl.
1: It was a friend. Yeah, it was a friend
2: point. that we did that. Yeah. So I But I had a conversation with him. I said, hey, listen. Out of respect, because she said, hey, listen, I want you to know that me and Leter is cool, and uh, we only slept with each other one time, and we've been friends for 25 years, and that happened like... It must
1: have been trash. Huh? It must have been trash. Well, it was just so awkward, because
2: it was my friend for a long time. So it was just, it was
1: just... It was just Okay, like... one time.
2: Okay, it was trash.
1: <laughs> so, the... <laughs> nah, it's just,
2: so
1: it was, it's it was my the story. Time. It's my story. <laughs> Nobody asked you to... Zip it.
2: You're supposed to be a safe space.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it. He said must be. Well, okay. Why did so had to be trash? Why can it be a conscious kicking in? I was like, one time. Why can't it be a conscious?
1: Because if it was good, it would have been again. Let's do it again. Nobody just has one potato chip. Give me the bag. She ain't want the bag with you. You you not the bag. You was one chip. <laughs> so, Terrence, no, I want to hear the story. It so was she me. had to tell, so, tell so, him, like, so, hey, you need actually, to know.
2: It was me that they only wanted to do it that one time. Because I'm trying to move on, and you. Serious? No, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you, you know, I'm gonna keep it lit. So <laughs> with me, it was like I was like, dang, this is so awkward. Like this is this is this is a friend that I had for all these years, yeah. and then we decided to do this, and I was like, and then she ended up asking, let's do it again. And I was like, nah, you know, what I'm saying I just didn't okay. because I, knew I was gonna get in the habit of it, <laughs> uh, and so I just like, nah, this is in 2020, so this. <laughs> It was in 2020. So I had a whole conversation. She's like, she had a conversation with her dude, and it was like, hey, I want you to talk to uh Letaris or whatever. About uh, what? Not uh, well, about that. Well, because we were cool, because she had lied and told him that. Because uh, men are we always
1: going to ask. Did you hook up with yeah. him? Yeah. Men are always to ask. And she had ask. lied,
2: and I said, don't lie to him. I yeah. said, tell him the truth.
1: Because she wouldn't be able to be your friend once he found out the exactly. truth.
2: Exactly. So I said, tell the truth. So they came by. We had a whole conversation. I said, I said, tell him the truth and tell him to come meet with me. So we sat down and talked. And I said, I'm going to tell you this straight up. This is what happened. It happened one time. That's why I was good. I was glad that it did only happen one time and it yeah. was what it was. I said, it happened one time. This is what it was. And I said, it was after friendship of all these years, and we decided to go down that route. And it just it didn't, work work it didn't work out. Right. And and uh and I said, but one thing that I do will do to you, brother, is I'll respect you. We'll never hear us revisit those conversations. Yeah. We're not gonna be talking about, hey, man, we did it. let's do it again. I'm never mm. gonna disrespect you like that. Right. Sit down, talking to me, man to man, he said, I respect you. That's and that's what exactly what I honor. That's
1: a major point of respect. 1,000%. And it also shows how much you value the friendship.
2: Because the reality is people make decisions. You, 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 know, you right. do whatever you do, but at the mm-hmm. end of the day, if you can respect people in honesty and transparency, and that's why I say I carry the same type of ideology when it comes to, if I were dating a woman that had kids, you yeah. best believe I'm going to go... If I can't talk to the father of that kid, because I believe in healthy family. Right. I'm gonna say, let me talk to this brother as soon as possible. The, the minute that I know this is a woman I want to spend the rest of my life with, before I need before to meet I, this I, man I and have some, some sort of camaraderie with him. I got to. I yeah. gotta talk to him. I gotta be like, hey, listen, man, I want you to know this. This is the type of man I am. This I'm about to be around your daughter or yeah. your son yeah. or whatever. This is what I believe in. Prime example. Thank you, Holy Spirit. When I adopted Armani... I had a conversation with his dad in jail. He called me a couple of weeks ago, The probably about three months after I adopted him. He uh, had called or did something. Or I asked Armani, how can I get in touch with him? He called one of his cousins that had a connection. I talked to him. I said, I want to have a conversation with you. He said, before you start talking, I want to tell you, man, I respect you a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And I said, what? He said, the fact that you went, and adopted my son says a lot about who you are as a character. He said, you don't need to even say too much more. The fact that you adopted him, ain't no black man trying to adopt nobody else's kids. He said, and the fact that you adopted a Mm. 16-year-old boy says a lot about your character. And I was like, I was like, wow. And I said, well, one thing I want to say to you is that one of the things that I'm going to make sure that your son does is he knows you. Yeah. One of the things that he's going to honor you. I don't care about mistakes that you made in your past. He's going to honor you as his father. And I said, um, yes he calls me dad God allowed me to come into his life and be uh, a co-dad with you I said but the reality is you're without the seed that came from your loins he wouldn't be here and I said he will honor and respect that and so shoot me dad dad called like I said he called me a couple of weeks cool. ago and was yeah. like hey man you know um, you know want to talk to me about some stuff or whatever getting updated with Armani or whatnot, and we just chop it up and talk so if I'm in a healthy relationship with a woman and this is a woman I'm going to marry and mm-hmm. I'm in a relationship with you think I can't go talk to the dad? Like I gotta, I gotta that be is able. That's
1: an ideal situation. Yeah, and, and I know we would sometimes like to see that out. happen. And if, if in all cases, because as a woman, you don't think I would want to be able, to like, hey, so can we do these types of braids? Or what do you think about this? Or yeah. do they have an allergy? Or what type of pads do the girls need? Exactly. Or, you know what type of bug spray? Like these are the things that children need. Can we have children best interest of the child conversations? Yep. You know I've seen. At this point, zero percent of child centered child centered marriages work, but I've seen a hundred percent of child centered divorces work. Meaning, hold on,
2: that was a gem right there. That, oh,
1: I'm gonna say, let me say it again. Let me
2: say it one more time for the people in the back. I've
1: seen zero percent of child centered marriages work. I have not seen them work, but I've seen a hundred percent of child centered diver- divorces work.
2: When I tell you that is a gem, people need to receive that. That Mm -hmm. is so powerful. Unpack that.
1: You know, just because looking at it, if I'm saying my child is at the center, I will never, ever, ever, you know, I've seen some parents do it. They hate their co-parent more than they love their kid. There it is. I've seen them do it, and I've seen what that looks like. I've seen the tears come from, literally seen the tears come from children's eyes when their parent cannot manage to center them. For whatever reason, maybe the parent was not centered. Maybe the parent is so caught up in their own hurt. Maybe they want to make everybody else hurt. But I've seen what it looks like. I've also seen on the on the other end, I have a good girlfriend of mine that just went through a divorce, had a hard time. In, uh, infidelity had happened in her situation. Um, And her ex-husband is with that person that uh he stepped out of the marriage with. She sent me a picture the other day of all of them at the kids' swim meet. And I said, mind blown. I almost feel a sense of envy when I see things like that because mm-hmm. I was like, our situation was nothing at all yeah. like that. But I was like, we could have never just done this. I think about all the stolen moments yeah. and the stolen opportunities. And I'm everybody's favorite auntie. I'm everybody's favorite. Everybody asked me to be their kid's godmom. But I was like, in this situation, because of emotions, and I'm not going to say invalid emotions, but at this point, ah. <sighs> Um, unhealed, I guess. Yeah. Whatever it is, I can't. I don't want to put a word to it, but emotions, and the main emotion being hatred yeah. and resent and deceit and defeat, and all of that, um, and not being able to say, "What do these kids need?" These kids probably need a parent that can talk to the other parent a- a- at a minimum. Yeah, these kids can should be able to have a parent that can. They can both their parents are in their graduation photos and maybe one day wedding photos. Yeah, I could never imagine my parents being at such odds that they couldn't put their love for me at the center that they couldn't say, all right, let's just put this crap behind us. Yeah, And so now looking like I'm standing adjacent to some young people that this is their real life experience right now as we speak. So child-centered divorces work. They work because that means these children are going to know that I am the most important thing to my parents, my parents were able to heal and do what they needed to do for me. And so now they're taking that in and saying, I'm gonna be able to do that. I see what healing looks like. Yeah. I see mama living well. I see daddy living well. I yep. see them both happy. I see. And so that's that's the thing that we're passing it down. We say we pass down generational trauma. What about generational healing?
2: When I said I said that a couple of episodes ago, Rihanna mm. can tell you, I said, we need to pass down generational let's healing. Let's pass it
1: down and let's be committed to it. Let's let's not be our daughters. First bullies.
2: Why did you say that? That's I was going to ask you that. Why okay. did you say first bully? Why, why would you say that your mom bullied you?
1: Um, I think that anybody that's stronger than a person oh. or you inflict pain or fear or harm on a person who you have an advantage over and who is vulnerable to you is a bully. I feel like a parent that, you know, hits a child. You're bullying that kid because they can't come around and knock you back in your teeth. They can't do that. They so they're literally that from your soul. <laughs> they're dependent on you to feed them and put their clothes on, and they love you. And as parents, we give our children their identity. We program their subconscious. And so you're causing physical pain to a person because you can't use your words as an adult. Like we tell kids to use their words. So that's why I said the yeah. bully statement.
2: So you feel like she would hit you unnecessarily? I feel or like, you just feel like discipline, period, is bullying.
1: Now, I, I was never a kid that didn't get popped. My dad never one time raised his hand. My parents had a rule. You can spank the girls, I'll spank the boys. Just so yeah. happened they had three girls. So mama was Joe Boxer in that thing. And i saying <laughs> saying, I guess, you know, I wasn't the type of kid that deserved that. And the you know the, the stepkids that I have, they ain't the type of kids that, uh, that, need that you deserve to physically... that. Right. I'm not the type of adult that needs to be threatened physically. I don't do well with that. And of course my husband, I mean, it's a grown man like that couldn't happen. So, you know, I think it kind of centers on almost an unhinged approach to dealing with conflict and your own internal stuff and just that need for a certain type of control. So that's why I say that's what bullies do though. Nice. Let me
2: tell you something. I really enjoy talking to you. I really enjoy the insight that you added uh, to this discussion. Um, How can people connect with you?
1: So I have two platforms. One is called Blended in Black, and it's for people, um, all human beings that are in blended families that are experiencing conflict, because that's my thing. I eat conflict like cupcakes at this point, <laughs> gluten-free cupcakes, but I can do that. And also, <laughs> if you are a person that is in a relationship with a parent, meaning you are a step-parent, I also have another community called VIP Stepmom. So I have two of them. I have two of them. So whatever you want, I also have a podcast called I Know I'm Crazy with Najah Hall. She said, uh, I know I'm crazy. That's the name of my podcast. It can be found everywhere. So yes.
2: She said, I know I'm crazy.
1: Yes. Oh, I, saw, I, I saw
2: this nice video with your husband setting up your whole setup for that.
1: Yes. I love when
2: I see stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just it just etches in my brain. I like, I love what that king is doing with his wife. When I, I tell
1: you that, I was telling Tony this the other day. We were sitting at the counter because um, I just started a beauty brand, Najah Hall Beauty. <laughs> Um, we just had a shoot at our place and, you know, I was just watching him work for me and yeah. for these missions, all of these missions that I have, you know, anytime I've been on a green room and in any show, like he's sitting out there right now. Yeah. Like, he is my biggest supporter and advocate. I have this particular lane because of him. Yeah, But, you know, I was like, I was telling him he's one of my biggest blessings Yeah, he and is. he has given me one of my most important purposes. So I, I feel really good to be married and adjacent to a person that, you know, is a purposed individual. I and like we that. do that for a, each other.
2: Adjacent.
1: Adjacent. On top of something. Rihanna, make sure I
2: say that in adjacent, my next interview. Adjacent, on
1: top of, up under, all of it.
2: <laughs> adjacent to. <laughs> Listen, uh, make sure y'all go to, what's your IG? Uh,
1: the nausea Hall.
2: The Naja and Hall. All of my
1: links are there. You can find everything, a single thing that I do Spell right
2: there. Spell Naja for the people.
1: N-A-J-A-H-A-L-L
2: the Naja Hall Yes, and uh, make sure you follow her listen thank you so much thank for stopping you, by the Dear Future Wifey podcast thank and you, dropping these gems thank, thank you so you, much and I'm so shout proud out to Tony. of you and I love Keep you thank you y'all be blessed Ladarian thrusted suddenly into child protective services in 2015 my nephew black a boy the likelihood of being adopted outside of kinship slim to none Armani, 16 years old, black, a boy, with five years in the foster care system before I even knew his name. The likelihood of ever being adopted? Yep, you guessed it. Slim to none. While Ladarian and Armani were trying to survive and barely thrive in an overpopulated and underfunded foster care system, I was living my own life, doing well professionally. Having been a single father with a daughter who at that point was doing well in college, it was my time to live my life right wrong. I felt unsettled, tireless, agitated. There are just too many of our black children stuck in ambiguity and in the limbo of the foster care system. In 2017, I legally adopted my nephew Ladarian. Fast forward to 2019, I had no ties to this other young king, but I felt God instructed me to adopt him also, and I obeyed. Starting over with parenting should have Been enough, right? Working with various foster care and adoption agencies to help bring awareness to the countless young black kings in the foster care system should have decreased my agitation, right? Joining the board of directors of Advantage Adoption, an organization that helps find permanent adoptive homes for children in foster care should have led to some type of resolve, right? No, not at all. None of it felt like I had done enough. I now realize that every one of those experiences was laying the fundamental foundation for my life's mission, Kingdom Royale. Kingdom Royale will be a luxury state-of-the-art home for foster boys. Our first location will be in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We will utilize the whole person approach that instills identity, empowers them to advocate for themselves, and enlightens them regarding new perspectives and limitless options that they thought were impossible. Though the young kings will attend the local public schools that are in proximity to Kingdom Royale, our at home curriculum will broaden their worldview through participating in the arts, attending various cultural events, learning about and engaging in multifaceted discussions about current events and even relevant historical contexts, introducing them to gardening and landscaping, and even caring for our animals on our farm and on site stables. We just launched our Startup Capital Campaign with the goal of raising $2.8 million. Now, why $2.8 million? Well, in 2017, I created a web series in which I performed random acts of kindness for targeting the homeless community. One of the most notable successes was that one of the videos went viral, garnering 28 million views. However, one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't raise a single dollar to help in implementing a more sustainable plan for the homeless community. So throughout the years, with much remorse. I reflected on not maximizing that moment. I knew if at that time, just 10% of the viewers donated $1, we would have raised at least $2.8 million that could have really established long-term support for the homeless community, or at least started a long-term initiative to do so. This is my do-over. This is our new beginning. Together, we can attack this at the root by specifically helping our homeless black boys who are already disproportionately represented in the American foster care system. I'm Latersar R. Whitfield. I've been nominated for three regional Emmys, documenting my work with the homeless, as well as my personal adoption journey. Despite those accolades, the greatest award for me is truly providing the infrastructure for a transformed life. Visit kingdomroyale.com for more details. Crown a king and make a donation today. Man, I hope y'all really enjoyed this episode. Hey, listen, meet me in Atlanta for a live Dear Future Wifey podcast at Cindy Trim's Resurgence Conference. It's gonna be absolutely amazing. We have uh, assembled a dynamic group of panelists, Cindy Trim and her husband. We got Montel Jordan and his wife. And uh, you'll hear about some of the other people. But meet me in Atlanta, December the 14th through the 16th for Cindy Trim's Resurgence Conference. Here's my favorite part of the podcast where I speak to my future wifey. Dear future wifey, in the tapestry of our shared tomorrows, I find myself enchanted by the prospect of weaving a life with you. A life that extends its warmth to every corner of our blended family. Like an artist, blending hues on a canvas, our love has the power to merge the unique stories and colors of our past into a masterpiece of togetherness. In this delicate dance, I see the beauty of our commitment, the elegance of our shared journey. As we tread this path, let laughter echo through the halls of our home and understanding be the language we speak. Together, Let's nurture a garden of memories where the roots run deep and the blossoms of joy are everlasting. In the ebb and flow of our shared moments, I am certain that our love will be the lighthouse guiding us through any storm. With you, dear one, I embark on this poetic journey of blending lives, knowing that the verses we compose will be a testament to the strength of our love. Your future hubby. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Remember, be lit, live intentionally and transparently, and don't stop loving. Make sure to subscribe to our Dear Future Wifey YouTube channel. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We welcome your support. Simply share our podcast with your friends and family.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently.